It's about Tom, but more about me. The secret to this podcaster is staying out of a scandal. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wait, and there's some history behind it, which we will get. There's like, honestly, this guest is bringing the tech magic, and I'm extremely here for it. You guys, it's Andy's Girls. It's episode, I think, 408-ish. Math is hard. Uh, but this guest, this chat, I know is going to be so easy. She's someone... I have watched on the YouTube for a little bit of time, especially in the past week, just on a loop, on a <laughs> loop, watching some conversations take place. So I'm so excited to have her here on the People's People Zoom Kiki Couch, et cetera. You know her as producer and podcaster whose credits include Howie Mandel Does Stuff, a podcast co-hosted by her dad, whose name is, in fact, Howie Mandel. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Jacqueline Schultz. Jacqueline, how are we? Thank you for having me. I'm excited. Anytime I can talk, bravo, especially Vanderpump <laughs> Rules, I am down and I am thrilled. So thank you. I have to ask, you mentioned before, so as you know, AG starts every episode with our own individual housewives taglines. I've done this show for 900 years, so at this point, my tagline is like, hi, hello. But you had an interesting path and journey to the creation of your own. So you told me that we were going to have to come up with our own taglines. Um, that scared me. I drew uh -oh. a blank. I couldn't figure out what it's to hard. say at all. It is hard. And it's so hard. I decided to get all like techie and use chat GPT <laughs> to come up with my taglines. <laughs> and it actually gave me three of them. So the one I said was one of them. Okay, the right. other one was, I live in a house full of jokes, but I'm no punchline. Yeah. And although I always love Andy Cohen, I'm the one with the 411. What? <laughs> They're good, right? AI is taking over. I mean, apologies to the Writers Guild strike, but that is some strong writing that that imaginary robot from Mars just did. I know. I know. So that's how I came up with mine. That is wild. And how would you describe chat G, GP, GPT, GP, GPT? GPT? You just have to, I, I'm not, I'm no expert when it comes to this. I don't use it on a daily at all. And I'm actually a little bit scared of AI, the whole yeah. AI thing that's mm -hmm. taking over. Yeah. But it was great. All you have to do is put in a prompt and you could be as specific as you want and you could give an example. So when you put in a prompt, say create a housewife tagline, I put in, I think an example from Atlanta. I forget oh, which example it was. Okay. And then I also said that it has to do with podcasting mm. or comedy because I want it to relate to me. And then it just spit out a bunch of them. And those were the three I wrote down. The top That three. is wild. I've never, I have done my version of that, which is like texting a couple friends and being like, listen, I'm recording in two seconds. I truly, my brain is stuck on pause today. I can't make it happen. And I've had friends be like, this is fun. Do this one. But I've never used a fun little internet robot before. That sounds magical. I encourage you to try it next time. Okay. I will. Again, um, all the support and solidarity. 
to the writers yeah currently striking yeah. right now no I um, agree I agree yes yes we're all this is a fun activity but we don't want these people writing for Barry um and by people I mean yes the robot thing um listen so Jacqueline I have to know when did your Bravo journey begin it was before Vanderpump because I remember watching the transition from Real Housewives of Beverly Hills into Vanderpump with Sheena and Brandy. Like, I remember that and thought it was the most genius thing I've ever it seen. Was. That transition where you had no idea that it even went from one show to the other. So I think I started watching OC was the first one, right? Yeah. Wasn't OC the mm-hmm. first one? Yeah. I started watching from the beginning of that. So it has to be when The Real Housewives first started. So you're a real OG of The Housewives universe. Do you watch most of the franchises or do you kind of dip in and out? No, I dip in in and out now that my my life has gotten so chaotic and busy with work and my two kids and trying to be a full-time mom and working at the same time yeah that I've kind of cut back especially since there's so many different franchises now like I remember I tried to get started on the Dubai and I think I lasted Mm. like three episodes and then as Tom would say I dipped out so (laughs) I I definitely am not keeping up with all of them there's a select few that I have been keeping up with as Tom says, you dipped out, meaning you didn't actually dip out. You just used a <laughs> phrase incorrectly repeatedly for absolutely no yeah. reason. He definitely thought that's exactly. what it meant the entire time. Yeah. Um, but but speaking of Tom, so certainly the interview that you and your dad, Howie Mandel, I can't just say Howie, it has to be. I feel like much like my name, Sarah Gal, you have to do first name, last name. Same with mm-hmm. Howie Mandel. It's first name, last name goes together. I feel like we should start doing the Raquel thing to him. Like his given name is Howard. We should just start calling him Howard. With all the hate he's getting and backlash, he is no longer Howie. He is now Howard. Howard. His legal name is Howard. And I'm here for it. Though I have to say, you guys were just on Nick Vial's pod. Nick was on AG um, very recently. And the way that your dad was like, Raquel, Raquel. Rosha. I mean, it was on, it was an iconic moment in culture, but back to the Tom Sandoval interview. So Tom was just on your podcast. A million people watched it on YouTube. God knows how many more on other clipped formats coming on social. Can you give me a little background on how that came about? I think the internet sleuths pretty much found out which is like (laughs) incredible to me how that happened but it's a pretty I think it's well known now if you are on social media that uh, we have a family friend Kimmy that we've known forever like literally she was my brother's best friend since they were in diapers together and lived down the street and now she works for my dad in his company not on our podcast by the way everyone was saying Oh, the producer of the podcast is best friends with Tom. She actually doesn't have anything to do with the podcast, but she does work for my dad and his production company. And she is married to Jason, who happens to be um, Tom's road manager and someone in Tom's band, I believe the drummer. And I think Mm -hmm. they're on tour right now. Mm -hmm. So they came to us and said, do you want Tom? And my dad's like, I don't know, because my dad has made it very clear that he knows nothing 
and I'm going to say it again. He knows nothing. So he's like, I don't know. And I was like, yes, yes. <laughs> give me Tom. Give me Tom. I am like a huge, like I said, Bravo fan. He hasn't said a word and this right. all revolves around him. I haven't heard from Ariana. He hasn't said a word. Raquel hasn't really said a word besides like a random TMZ in front of a nail salon thing. And Ariana hasn't really said a word at that time, I think, except for TMZ about like her upcoming role in a Lifetime film. Right. And I was like, this would be great instead of having to wait for the reunion to get at least one person's side or take or whatever I can't believe that he wants to talk but if he says he does like that would be amazing and so my dad's like okay Jackie wants her bring him on and it was like super last minute because we already had planned another podcast we had Nick Cannon that was filmed and coming out Mm -hmm. that week and they said do you want him and I was like yes and we went in the next day and filmed and it came out I think like a couple days later And you mentioned in your follow up chat on Nick's pod when you and your dad guested to just really kind of like deep dive your experience with Sandoval and reaction to a lot of the response inside and outside of the Bravo community that you had spent the night before coming up with two pages of questions for Tom, which turns out weren't necessarily used potentially in the way that you had envisioned or hoped or planned at what point did you find out um as was shared in that follow-up conversation that there would be sort of no pushback um when I came in the next day (laughs) so I had otherwise I went to stay up all night right like making questions so when I came in the next day um I kind of heard and honestly I have to say I kind of already knew that there couldn't be a lot of pushback. Otherwise, he wouldn't come on here. I think my dad is getting a lot of hate for not knowing who he is and having him as a guest. But he wouldn't go anywhere else. It's not like we were like vying for him and there were a bunch of other Bravo podcasts or like anyone who wanted him and he was picking between them. Like, I don't think he would. I don't think he would have gone anywhere else. Like he felt that this was going to be a safe space. It was either this or nothing. And you wait for the reunion is my feeling is what I think was the case. I mean, I completely agree. And I would say that to me, there's like a difference in a safe space, which I think is entirely accurate and a space in which there might not be a lot of knowledge of what's going on. And I think for Tom, the worst case scenario for him seeing the Tom that we are kind of being reintroduced to as a result of the scandal, he does not appear to be someone who's necessarily open to conversation in which accountability is the through line. So I think for him in knowing the relationship that Howie has with people that work with and love Tom, That's one part of it. But I think the other part is he probably felt like he could go in and say the entirety of his narrative created at whatever point. And because Howie wouldn't necessarily know what was accurate or not, he was taking him entirely at his word. Which I think is what happened. Correct. Like, I think, yes, that's what he believed. And I think that is exactly 
what happened. And I can only assume this happened after they filmed the reunion. So I can only assume he wasn't happy with the scene. We heard from gossip that he wasn't happy with this. He didn't tell me this, by the way. I'm not like releasing any gossip that I actually know. This is just gossip that I heard online. Love. That he wasn't happy with the ending scene, right? I heard that and he wanted to reshoot it. He probably, I would assume, wasn't happy with the reunion because everyone was there and I'm sure they held him accountable. So this was his way of getting somewhere where he can state his story and not be challenged. I'm assuming that's what he thought by coming on to our podcast. And I really think it was a genuine missed opportunity on Sandoval's behalf, but it also is such a window into his character that you would think this man would understand that having Howie there is the quote unquote spiritual safe space, but also having someone there who understands exactly what's going on and is still a part of that safe space atmosphere could have asked, had he allowed it, pointed questions that may have made him slightly uncomfortable, may have pushed him a little bit, but you're not going to get potentially a friendlier atmosphere in which to have that kind of dialogue, which isn't going anywhere. I think he really, or whomever was advising him, did himself a disservice by not allowing you to ask those questions because I think it actually would have helped him. It says something that he has no interest or some discomfort with that even now and having to answer just even simple follow-up questions. It felt to me like I felt for you in that moment because I could see you there and I you understood you were like responding back in beats being like, oh, this is this so-and-so yada yada. And I was like, man, there's nothing worse than that than being a podcaster or creator and feeling like and knowing that you're not allowed to be allowed to respond when you are aware of the history. Can I be honest? Yeah, I was more upset and concerned about my dad at that point okay. than Sandoval because I feel like the viewers, whatever he said, can see him for who he is. Like they're going to either, he's either going to dig him. I said this on Nick Files too. He's either going to come on and dig himself into a deeper hole mm-hmm. or redeem himself. And it's up to the viewers to decide that. And I think they've made their decision on what he did, right? And so I was more concerned about my dad not knowing anything, taking him at his word, not pushing back, maybe making a few comments here and there. And I'm like, dad, you are doing yourself a disservice. Like you're digging yourself into a hole here. Like I was no longer concerned about Sandoval and I was more like, dad, you gotta stop. (laughs) So what kind of conversations did you have with your dad after before this went up of like, so I just want to prepare you a little bit for what might happen? Because you know, as a Bravo-holic, that the response, especially with VPR right now, especially with the scan of all, can come in really hot and really tight immediately. Was he aware of like the potential wave? I think he was aware of the big story and that it would get a lot of plays Mm -hmm. and that it would get a lot of attention. I don't think he was prepared for it backfiring and going on to him, like my dad. And I was trying to tell him that it would like be prepared for it. Um, But I don't think he was prepared for that. 
And you mentioned on Nick's pod that you had been uh, receiving some particularly shitty messages, which honestly, I don't know why I was surprised, but I was honestly surprised. I was Were like, you? I get yeah, it. I honestly get I really it. I didn't gonna, expect listen, it. I'm not going to defend it and put blame on anyone else. I'm going to own it. I understand why people are mad at me. I totally get it. And as a Bravo viewer and watcher and avid listener and everything, I get it. I think being the only person in the room that has been watching from day one, that knows what's going on, that has been like listening to Lala and Sheena and all this stuff. I think that the viewers hoped that once this interview came as the person that knew what was going on, I would be the voice. Like, even if my dad had no idea what was going on, I did. And they expected me to stand up, um, try to question him, have him take accountability. And I kind of failed them. Right. And I think that I saw that in my DMs afterwards. I got it. I don't think it's right to ho- to say that I'm a trash human being and they hope that my husband cheats on me and leaves me and my kids. Don't think that's right. Oh my but God. I do people get the anger awful. and frustration with me for not doing what people think I should have done as a watcher and as someone who understands what's going on. But this is the difficulty. And it's like one of those things that people don't necessarily know if and until they're at that point or in that environment is that there's such a process that takes pa- that takes place with like any number of guests that you might have on your pod. I go through this all the time where it's like the negotiation strategy and logistics. Oftentimes it's not with the guest, it's with their team. And there have been, of course, moments where it's like you can't don't go near X, Y or Z. And I have never had a problem with it because my feeling, and I'm sure you feel similarly, is like you first off want that person to feel safe and comfortable and have a pleasant experience. And the hope is always that they come back. So like, why would I do something for a gotcha moment that I might not even be interested in doing because this is not that kind of show to make someone feel embarrassed or whatever else for like the greater gladiator style you know, metrics online, noting that, noting that there's often like a juggling act that takes place. It, I really think, you know, the accountability there is really with the people who said he couldn't receive any kind of response, that you weren't allowed to push back on anything. I think that was a genuine disservice, not to, not just to you, meaning you and your dad, but really you. But also to Tom, because in enabling him to just monologue and say these like, to me, terrible things, like horrible things, he dug himself into a much bigger hole for people who watch the conversation in full. It would have helped him had someone cut him off and been like, okay, but let's go back to, you know, what's going on in the show and whatever else. They it was not to me smart strategy. They were it was like prepare for the sprint and not the marathon. Babe, we got 26 miles to run. This isn't going anywhere. I guarantee you he was probably held accountable at the reunion and I can't wait to watch that. 
Yeah. And this might have been a counter for him of like, I know what's coming. So if there is a way for me to just share my story, I mean, like my story by Tom, maybe this was his opportunity to do that. I mean, having been in the room with him for, you know, an hour and 20 minutes plus X, Y and Z. Did your opinion of him change at all in any way as a result? Oh, you're already shaking your head now. Oh, you're no. already. No, no, I, it didn't. It didn't change. <laughs> Staring at each other. We're blinking. We're blinking right now. <laughs> Only because I had watched for a long time. So to me, all of his responses were what I would expect of him not what I hoped from him, but I feel like he was Tom. Like I heard, and I think on TikTok, there was someone who actually went and played our interview. And then what he said to Kristen when he was breaking up with her. And it was pretty much, it was a lot of the same words. It was pretty much verbatim. So to me, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't surprised. It didn't change my outlook. The only thing I was shocked and surprised about is that after this many years of being on the show and doing publicity, that he wouldn't have been told to go in a different direction in an interview. Like, I I really did assume that when he came in, it would have been an apology tour. Like that's, that's what I thought was going to happen. Like what I was hoping for. And it wasn't, but I wasn't surprised. Do you think he's capable of even performing an apology tour? I don't know. I don't know him. I want to be careful with what I say because like, I don't really know him at all. I know what I see on the show. I know what I saw for an hour and a half or an hour in that room. So but I do have my opinions based on the show and what I saw for an hour. And based on that, no, (laughs) maybe he is doing work. Maybe he'll work on himself and you're giving me a face. Like, come on, (laughs) maybe he will. Maybe at one point he will. Maybe he's not that old. 40 is not that old. Maybe when he's like 50 or 60 or something. He (laughs) could be spiritually mid 20s plus. I think age is nothing but a number. You can be a piece of shit at 13 and at 74. If he just, I don't think he's at the point where he thinks he owes anyone an apology. I really do not think he thinks he did anything wrong. He's starting with the we were on CNN and he's using that as representative of everything else. We got so much attention. It didn't make any sense. And to my core, I feel like I didn't do anything that wrong. I really genuinely think that a lot of what he said in your conversation, he believes. I don't think it's based in truth, but I think it's genuinely, I think it's his truth and his belief. I agree with that. I think he spoke his truth. I do. I really genuinely believe that. Um, And we saw also in the trailer for the season finale, and I don't know if that was leaked or not, but like we saw that he said, I was planning on breaking up with her. So he was still saying like, it wasn't a big deal because I was always planning on breaking up with her, not acknowledging the cheating aspect of it. And not just the cheating aspect. Let's say he never cheated. Let's say he didn't cheat and he broke up with her and then started dating Raquel. 
that would have been shitty too. That's her best friend. That's also kind of shitty, right? But like, not just throw shitty on top of shitty on top of shitty on top of shitty. It's like a shitty cake. Like it's just layers <laughs> it's of seven layer. Right? It's a seven layer dip. It's, it's a, a seven layer seven dip. layer shitty cake where mm-hmm. he cheated for seven months. And I don't think he did himself any favors with the explanations he gave. Like even saying the magnetic kiss happened the night after the Mondrian or whatever. And then I'm thinking back, I'm like, wasn't that the night that she came home from the girl's trip because her dog had just died? Like why, why? I mean, if you want to be a shitty person, why pick like the shittiest, crappiest time? I mean, I think that there are two potential answers for that. One is that it didn't happen that day in the manner that he said. When he was like telling that big romantic story, I was like, I don't think that this is what occurred or he's telling the first act of a three act evening. Like, I don't think it just they had a romantic kiss and then went on their merry way. And I don't know that it was the first one. And I don't know that the first one happened that night. But you think even that is a lie. You think even like his first time that he said was a lie. I don't know. I don't know what. But why? Going that's on. not doing him. A, that's doing him a disservice too. The time he chose, if it was a lie, is not a great time to choose. <laughs> none of it. The thing is that, like, none of it is ever going to make sense, and none of it is ever going to make him seem like a better guy. Because I can't say man than he is. It's like. It's almost nonsensical, but we're what we're watching now is VPR Inception because now we're watching episodes filmed that maybe had been re-edited a little bit, but aren't featuring new content that's like updated since word came out. So we're not seeing people being like, oh my God, and since the scandal came out, yada, yada. We don't have those confessionals yet. But what we are watching, what I believe that we're watching is someone having an affair with his long-term partner's best friend and trying to put in Easter eggs of like, you and I have been having problems if and when she finds out about Raquel. And that to me is like extremely strategic and aware because when he is saying to Ariana and when he is saying to Schwartz, Ariana and I are having problems. Now Schwartz is like off in his own world, but you can see on Ariana's face, she doesn't know what he's talking about. And I think he's really trying to flex, like people use gaslighting a lot, but what other definition could there be for someone literally trying to say, I'm saying in front of cameras that our reality is exactly what I need it to be to protect myself in six months or a year? Well, like, it worked it- for him the first time, right? He just can't do it again. I think it kind of worked for him the first time because he planted all those seeds when it, can't, when it was Kristen. And then he went on his merry way with Ariana. Right. And Kristen was vilified. Kristen did her own stuff too, but like Kristen was vilified and he was still loved by the group and they were loved as a couple. So it did work the first time. I just think that people saw him season after season after season, got to know who he is, heard his lines a number of times, and it's not working for him this time. Well, because he got caught, but it also wasn't going to work for him anyways this time. I think also because people love Ariana. Yeah. And that to me is a little bit of the piece that's missing, not in terms of like, obviously hate that's come your way, which is, it, it is the ultimate irony of people trying to, um, 
you know, critique toxic fandoms while absolutely at it, acting as a member of that toxic kind yeah. of community. So to, I'm sorry that you received those messages. And for anyone to think, like, if you are acting that way on behalf of a stranger, but a Bravo Lev that you think needs support, and you are attacking someone else, if I was that Bravo Leb and a decent person, I would not want you to be doing those things. And if you feel like the person that you're trying to represent in attacking a creator, if you're thinking that they would like that, then I would really question why you like them to begin with. Because if they genuinely would, and some of these women do want to see fans attack other creators or other Bravo Lebs, that says an awful lot about the magnetism of toxicity and how that can attract, you know, equal minds in that way. So, you know, I will talk shit on social and not tag anyone. And I would I, I just personally I don't think there's anything entertaining, funny or cool about that. I think it's it's truly deeply unkind. And I think that I, I don't know. I think it's maybe very Pollyanna. It's maybe very Rhode Island of me, Jacqueline. It's maybe very Rhode Island, but New England values. Hashtag New yeah. England values. I just I just I'm sorry that you had to uh, deal with that. And I just think if someone and is it doing hurt. that, these are my of course, it, because these are my people. We're on the same side. Yeah. And I mean, for someone to be like your husband, yada, yada is so unacceptable and like Ariana the reason that so many of us of us love and appreciate and respect her is because she really is very kind and I think putting aside some of the horror show dms I think the reason so many fans including obviously women have been so upset about this is because obviously Tom's a piece of shit, but there is that friendship angle of like Ariana has discussed being used before, being um, manipulated before, being in incredibly unhealthy dynamics in what I believe were romantic relationships. She's been very open about that on the show, obviously in her relationship with Tom. And to go through this, not only with your long-term partner, but one of your best friends, I think a lot of the anger that fans feel is because, and a lot of the protectiveness that a lot of us feel is because some of us might want to be a surrogate for Ariana in that way, to be like, there will be people who fight for you. There will be people who want to protect you. And that there, I think there's a part of that that's really connective for people, you know, people love Ariana and they feel like she would be one of their friends. And they, and she has been really open and honest about her struggles in the past with relationships and just with what she's going through. So that's why people feel ultimately protective over her. And I get it. And even the way she was last night with sticking up for Raquel and sticking mm. up for her friends and even sticking up for Tom like you just want to be there for her and wrap your arms around her. And so that's why people are so angry. Like she could be any one of us. She could be any of our best friends. Paris is always a good idea. And when I schlep on over to Europe to my favorite city in the world, I bring with me a few important phrases that I have learned from housewives. C'est bon, c'est bon. Chic, c'est la vie. Je m'appelle the Countess. N'est-ce pas, Luann? 
And while those key phrases are important when speaking to any French bravoholic for other matters of life, that's where Rosetta Stone comes in. Rosetta Stone is the trusted expert for 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered, including, of course, French. It features fast language acquisition. It immerses you in so many ways. There's no English translations. So you really learn to speak, to listen, and to think in that language. It's an intuitive process. You pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. J'adore Chris Manzo. Et toi? There's a speech recognition filter, which gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's convenient with desktop and app options, and it's an amazing value. Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership has all 25 languages for any and all trips and language needs in life. That's lifetime access to all 25 language courses Rosetta Stone offers for 50% off. A steal. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, AGs can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash today. Today. I just came back from the salon and for the record, I went with a sassy little bob and quiet luxury shade of blonde. Yes, that's literally what we're calling it, quiet luxury. Aside from trips to the salon, I don't actually blow out my hair. My hair is naturally wavy, and that's why I love Way. Way's new anti-frizz cream is a lightweight cream that provides immediate frizz control that lasts for up to 72 hours. I know that I have a limited amount of time (laughs) with wet, wavy hair in which to get myself in order. And that is why I love the anti-frizz cream. It has notes of bergamot, Italian lemon, violet, and more. And it smells unbelievable. Truly, as someone who is a little bit sensitive to scents, I put this in my hair and I feel great. It also genuinely pairs well with my perfume, which I appreciate. I don't blow out my hair because after years of color processing and attempting to make it straight, I know it looks better and stays healthier when I avoid blow drying, which is why I love the anti-frizz cream. I've used products, especially with wavy hair, where it feels heavy and looks kind of wet. And that's why I love Waze Anti-Frizz Cream because it enhances the natural waves in my hair. I still look like me, just a little elevated. And P.S. I am way obsessed with Waze other bestsellers. Their leave-in conditioner, detox shampoo, my personal favorite. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to T-H-E- O-U-A-I dot com and enter promo code Andy for 15% off any product. That's T-H-E-O-U-A-I dot com with promo code Andy. With Mother's Day around the corner, are you thinking about a truly special gift for your mom or a maternal figure in your life? Let me tell you about mylifeinabook.com. It's a unique service that turns your mom's life stories into a beautiful book. Pretty cool, right? 
Here's how it works. Every week, mylifeinabook.com will send her a question via email. These can be pre-written questions about her life or any custom questions you want to ask. Then she can either type up her response or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. And guess what? They can even create an audiobook using her voice recordings. It's like preserving her voice and her stories for eternity. This book becomes a legacy, something you and future generations can treasure forever. Your mom's given you a lifetime of stories. This is your chance to give her a way to share them. I want to know about the stories of how my mom and dad grew up. What's the first thing they remember after they were born? That's one of the questions I sent to my dad after signing up for my life in a book. And I can't think of a greater gift to give my dad in sharing his stories and to receive. It's super easy to use. My favorite part of it, as someone who sometimes lives on turtle time and forgets (laughs) about sending or receiving email, is that they reach out a couple days prior to sending questions just so I know of what questions they're going to send to my dad, if I want to change it for another question or customize it with something that I want to know. It's that kind of specificity and care that I love so much. This is genuinely an incredible, incredible gift. There's no greater present than I could give a family member or a loved one than to participate in this kind of meaningful appreciation for the entirety of their lives, separate from my own. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom or loved one this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com with code Andy's Girls for 10% off today. And thank the Jills, Aaron, and your life and mine. I mean, there were so many layers to last night's episode, and this might seem like a nothing burger because there were crazy moments, but when Ariana was having that conversation with Katie, where she was like, I really essentially can't be business partners with someone who's shit-talking my boyfriend and one of my best friends. I mean, I'm thinking about that, and I'm wondering, that could have gone in a different direction. Like, Katie could have said, listen, I don't like them, and she would have had every right to say, I don't like them, but I'm going to continue to talk shit if I want to. That could have broken up something about her. Like, Ariana could have lost that business opportunity and business partner because she was standing up to protect and defend two people who obviously couldn't, I mean, absolutely don't deserve it and didn't deserve it now, but cost her an awful lot already. She That genuinely could have been the end of the business. She was willing to sacrifice literally everything that she had. It was very sad to watch. She does seem like a very loyal person. And that was actually one of That wasn't. But one of my questions that I had written down was I heard a lot about, and I don't know for a fact because I didn't get to ask it, but about him and them agreeing to mortgage their house again, get a second mortgage for the bar, right? And so they're financially putting themselves at risk for the sake of his bar. I wanted to know if he knew during that, that they were not going to stay together, that they were not going to work out. 
while he decided to put them in that situation, which also has them having to live together now and not being able to sell the house. Like, did he know that at the time when he knew that he wasn't going to be with her, whether or not it was when he started right, having, being with her, having the affair, but he, did he know that it wasn't going to work out and he still decided to take out a second mortgage if he did on the home? That is such a good question. I just literally lost my mind over it. And also adding on to that is the reason that he wanted to do that with Ariana while he still had her. It's not only just did I know whether or not this relationship would last, but also I want to take advantage. And I mean that honestly without like criticizing him, like to just genuinely say as he was thinking, is he thinking like I want to quite literally take advantage of the situation that I'm in now, which includes securing a loan with this person's good credit. Like he's thinking, what can I do to preserve myself in every sense of the word? Well, and then I don't know, again, that's just gossip. I don't know for a fact if he took out a loan, but that's what I've heard. And if that's the case, I want to know when that happened. It was discussed on the show. Ariana was talked it? about it. Yeah, I think with LVP. Okay. Ariana was like, yeah, um, Tom took out a loan against our house, but he said he's totally responsible for it. So it's no problem and not going to affect me. And Lisa was like, cool, cool, cool. Maybe check the records on that because it doesn't make sense. Which is what I'm assuming that Ariana and her team or whomever is advising her financially are doing right now. Because my guess is that, spoiler alert, what Tom told her is probably not legal fact. Right. And then I want to know, too, I feel like Schwartz is going down with the ship, whether it rightfully so. But I want to know how he feels. He obviously justified his actions in terms of Ariana but how about his best friend like he's right taking him down too yeah I mean watching this episode so you know Sandoval's trying to lie or or is realizing he's being caught in the lie with the whole like she dipped out he literally said she dipped out she left early and then when LVP was like did she didn't she stay over he was like no 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 when I said dipped out I just meant stay it on the bottom floor Like, Schwartz said he slept over that night as well, right? That was the whole thing. We had a slumber party. We had a sleepover. He said they had a slumber party. And I think to Brock, they said that Ariana or that Raquel never slept over. And then they said it was just optics, right? Were they talking about, like, they needed to create the optics that she didn't sleep over? I think that they were saying that that's why they lied about her not sleeping over when she, in fact, did. Right. Because Brock was like, she stayed, she left. He's like, I don't understand what you're saying when you say, when you're saying dipped out. And they're like, no, no, no. She stayed over. And then in later conversation, like, yeah, she slept on the couch. Oh, and Ariana's like, why didn't she sleep in the guest bedroom? That doesn't make sense. And it became an LOL. So I think what actually happened is that Ariana was there. And I do not know if Schwartz was actually there, but it, it sounds like they're all now saying that he was. I don't in any way think that Raquel slept on the couch. Like, that doesn't make sense. Like, ha- you're having an affair with this person. Your long-term girlfriend's out of town. Like, that doesn't make sense that she would just stay there. But regardless, to pretend that Schwartz isn't aware of what's happening at this point, it does feel 
laughable because I would think that when it's just the three of them, Schwartz is seeing the chemistry like it feels at this point like there's no way he didn't know in advance of a month prior. Well, he knew during last night's episode, didn't they already say he knew at Sheena's wedding is when he found out, correct? He's saying that at uh, at some point, so he said on the Watch What Happens shit show that like he was told what was going on a month prior to the news breaking, which I believe included his interpretation of like a one night stand between Sandoval and Raquel that he is trying to say he, he wasn't aware ended up in a full fledged affair. Mm-hmm. I don't know when he found out about Raquel and Sandoval's happenings at Sheena's wedding. But it does seem very odd the way that Sandoval, every time someone is asking him about Raquel, he immediately tries to revert and divert by saying, oh, you mean Schwartz and Raquel? Like when LVP is questioning him, when other people are questioning him, he's like, yada, yada, yada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Schwartz and Raquel, the way he's trying to use it so quickly to confuse people and get attention off him and on his friend is not a great indicator. If I was Schwartz at that point, I would be like, why do you keep using my name? That's not what's being discussed. What do you think Schwartz's goal and tactic is with continually bringing up, like, I think she has a crush on someone else, or I think her type is taken met. Like, he keeps throwing in little hints here and there. I mean, this is where I get confused, because if Schwartz knew at this point and was saying stuff, if I was Sandoval, I would be really pissed in those moments. But you don't see him reacting with, like, bluster after that you see him laughing perhaps a little too much at this like completely obviously you know joke lol like that's where I just get kind of confused about all of this because obviously looking back it's like well I mean okay but like what what did Schwartz know and when I don't think we're ever gonna find out what do you think If I'm going based on what he said, I'm going to say that Schwartz knew that they were having an affair um, at Sheena's wedding, which is what Tom said. And that in itself isn't good either. So I don't know if he would have a reason to lie about that. And that's what he said. He said he knew at Sheena's wedding. So at this point, he knew that they were having an affair. Everything we're watching Schwartz, based on what Tom said, Schwartz knew that they were having an affair. And so all the little like bits of information that he's throwing out there is him having knowledge of them having a full-blown affair, right? I mean, to say that I think affair, while obviously there was like an ongoing affair, I think what both of them, and again, I could be completely wrong, is like we're trying to communicate was that Schwartz was aware of a one-time stooping taking place like I don't think he was the what they are trying to communicate to us is that he wasn't a he wasn't aware that this was like an ongoing thing I think he was I think that even what Tom said I think he was I don't think that Tom just told him oh we kissed once I think that Tom made him aware of this of the ongoing affair because 
he was made to know at Sheena's wedding that this had already happened. And then he slept or she slept over after Sheena's wedding when Schwartz was there. So I think he knew of an ongoing thing. I don't know how he couldn't know, even if he wasn't told directly, which he might have been. When they're hanging out, the three of them, and then when they're hanging out, seemingly double dating, when Schwartz is with Joe, Kristen's former BFF, this woman who's seemingly obsessed with Schwartz, when it's two couples or like two women and two men going out and you know that Schwartz and Joe are together and we're being we're supposed to be led to believe that like Schwartz doesn't know that Sandoval is with Raquel, but they're going on these secret trips to like go ski and shit like in January. That doesn't it's like the the math ain't mathin'. Like none of this. I I cannot tell you how I really feel because I think it is constantly changing because at the beginning I was like Schwartz 100% knew the entire time. Then I was like maybe he was like aware of like maybe something happening at Sheena's or not which he maybe found out later on but maybe he was just I don't know how much of this he was aware of but he was definitely manipulated regardless of whether or not he was an active participant with the Raquel stuff until he couldn't continue to act it any longer like and now I'm like but this doesn't make sense. Like, if Schwartz knew that they were having an affair at that moment that he's making those jokes, why would he laugh about that in front of Ariana? Not not to say that, like, he gives a shit or understands that he might look like an asshole later, but because he wouldn't want his best friend to be found out. I think, well, I don't know. What would you have done if you were Schwartz and you knew, let's say he did know the affair was going on with his best friend? What would you have done? Do you think that you would have gone to Ariana right there? Do you think you would have pressured Tom to go tell her other by this time? Otherwise, I'm going to say it like, what would you have done if you were in his not even if you were in his situation, if you were in your if you were you not yeah. short, if you yeah. were you in that situation and I'm me, Sarah, a woman. I guess there is. I, I guess there's a difference. I don't know. What would you have done as a human being with morals? <laughs> what well, would you I think done? it I, I do think that there is a sisterhood that exists. I know of friends who like randomly someone approaches them and whatever, and they find mm-hmm. out that this person is in a relationship. Now, I don't recommend doing anything at any point in any time. So I'm not saying that this is a good idea. But like, I know of people who've been like, let me slide into the stranger woman's DMs to let her know that her partner, boyfriend, whomever is up to no good because I feel an allegiance to this person as a woman, regardless of my history that's or experience. Different. Now, I'm not sticking up for him in any way. No, so no, I, don't, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The wrong way. I'm just thinking imaginary. like psychologically as, but that's different sliding into a stranger woman's DMs than let's say you had a stakes. best friend. Right, stakes. And your best friend was doing crappy shitty stuff that you knew about but your allegiance was to that best friend what would you do okay if okay let's say I'm me Sarah G and I know and my my good friend Judy (laughs) tells me that she's cheating on her boyfriend with someone I don't know Mm -hmm. wait that does that does that scientific um, experiment work because the missing piece here is that I'm friends with both 
the girl I'm friends with both like the partner that's cheating and the partner that's being cheated on but I think he's made it very clear Schwartz has made it very clear that his allegiance is to Tom like I feel like his marriage took even his marriage took a backseat when it came to Tom right so his allegiance is not right whether right or wrong which I'm saying wrong right he but like He's pretending that he's friends with Ariana, but he's not friends enough to be a friend. Like it's obvious. It's very apparent for Katie. He his friend is Tom. There you go. <laughs> I mean, if he's not going to defend his wife, he's not going to defend his uh, his best friend's girlfriend. Um, yeah. What would I do? <laughs> I mean, like I I I cannot imagine. I, I it's I I just without judgment or any kind of anything it is so hard for me to imagine one of my friends cheating on their partner with someone who's also in our friend group it's the friend group thing that is like it's all systems go at that point if I have a mutual friend regardless of my allegiance if I have a mutual friend in our friend group who's being cheated on by someone else in our friend group with someone else in our friend group, I am going to say, I honestly, genuinely, to there are, two, there are three people in our friend group that are entrenched in this, the person who's cheating, the person who's being cheated on, and the person who's assisting in the cheating but is not dating the, you know, whatever, I, I would be like, you gotta, you gotta say something by X date, otherwise I have to let them know like I'm sorry I I it's it is the it is the worst part of this for me is that it's her best friend who's involved in this I just not to say she's worse than Tom it's just that's the thing that I'm like I can't get over I agree completely I think that the worst part is that it was Raquel and not even just some random girl that yeah to his dms the word is like it's betrayal all around on every single level. So yeah, I I'd like to think that I would do the same thing and give them an ultimatum and say something because honestly, you know, I asked Tom, I was like, what was your game plan? Like Mm. when were you planning? I know he said like therapy and stuff, LOL, but like, when were you planning on divulging this information and he just kept going back to breaking up with her like I was trying to break up with her I was trying to break up with her so in my mind what he was saying based on that interview was that he wasn't trying to ever come clean about the cheating he was trying to find a way to break up and then like seamlessly move into another relationship and hopefully no one ever found out about the cheating Mm. Yeah, or not. I mean, I don't know what promises he made to Raquel except to say that there was a leaked trailer and an official trailer, and I forget which one it was in for the finale, but in one of them, there was some conversation between Tom and Raquel of like, well, we knew this was going to be hard, but here we are. Like, it's got to be worth it, whatever the actual line is. Obviously, there had been some sort of discussion between them, possibly initiated, who knows how many times, potentially by Raquel of like, so are we going to go public or like what's going to happen? I think that there could have been a conversation between Tom and Raquel, just like there are any number of conversations between someone engaged in an affair of like, yeah, and I'm going to tell her and then we'll be together. I don't know if 
Tom was really thinking about that because I think ultimately Tom is only interested in thinking about Tom. And if he's getting what he wants from Raquel and he's able to keep coasting along the Ariana, you know, situation while dropping in things about how he's unhappy and wants to be fucked, which is like, what a preview for next week. Um, I think that's where he's going to try to stay for as long as possible. But you saying like, what was the actual plan here? It is so telling that he repeatedly in that interview was like, I was going to break up with her, but she made it so hard. I was I was doing the thing that was going to be tough for me, but she just made it so difficult. I could not like the ability to blame your long term partner who you've been cheating on for not being told in a timely manner that you're fucking one of her best friends is it's inexplicable. It it is like it's an unbelievable thing. It's quite literally unbelievable. And yet he said that for 80 minutes. And couples therapy is not supposed to be used for breakups. Like couples therapy, I'm sure she thought was to go and fix whatever problems they were having in their relationship because every single relationship, especially a relationship that's that long, that has the pressure of being on television, that has the pressure of owning a home together and having businesses together, There's and has the pressure of people that are dealing with loss and grief and everything that's going to have, you know, tough times. There's no relationship that's not going to have tough times. So I'm sure going to therapy, she thought it was to work on the relationship, not as a means to get out, you know? And he even said like, she started putting in the work and everything. So I don't think that she thought that it was over. If you're going to therapy to work on a relationship and someone is putting in the effort and trying, then they think that there's a chance for that relationship to continue. 100%. And I think the, you know, alternate reality that he's trying to present get a, gets a little muddled there because he keeps saying, well, she wasn't paying attention to me. It was all about me. She wasn't fulfilling my needs and she doesn't otherwise exist that when he's trying to get to the moment to slip in, oh, but she was like, you know, working on herself when we started to see someone together. I mean, then what is the other reasoning here? Unless you were entirely out, you were not there in any way. But again, you could have said that in couples therapy. Like if he wanted to use couples therapy as an exit and not as a tool to like help your relationship, first off, what did you say to your girlfriend? Was that when you broke up with her on Valentine's in that alternate universe that doesn't exist or like any number of times? Did you say, well, let's talk to a, a couple therapist about how to, you know, figure out a way to this where we can still remain friends? Or were you like, yeah, I'm unhappy. Let's talk to somebody and figure it out. I, my guess is it's probably the latter. Yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what she thought. Based on everything he was saying in the interview, that's how it came across. I mean, on that interview, although I agree he wasn't challenged probably the way he should have been challenged, I think it was very telling. Yes, I agree. I think it was very telling. We got a lot of information out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he did himself any favors, right? <laughs> like, But it was very telling regardless of whether he pushed 
we pushed him or not. And not only that, we're able to see that interview and then continue watching the show and kind of cross-reference on and see like, wait a second, you said this in the interview. We just saw this in the show. It is not adding up. So like, regardless of whether, again, not defending myself, he should be held accountable, but regardless of whether or not we did our job and held him accountable, like the show is holding him accountable. He said a bunch of stuff and we're watching the show and we're able to cross-reference what he's saying, you know? Right. And just to like say a couple things to this, just as a Bravo-holic in and of itself, like one, you quote unquote, not holding him accountable was not up to you. So it's like, that's information that's helpful for people to know that you were told I can't push back on this person. Like that is on Tom and on Tom's team and on to me, terrible strategy, like just bad counsel. Like they like take one for the team, be uncomfortable for an hour and then you'll still be able to tell your story, but at least allow someone to ask questions. To not allow someone to follow up, to me, is not a conversation. It's a monologue. With that being said, the monologue was enlightening. It was something that would not have happened except for Tom deciding that this is what he wanted to do. And as we all know, like when Tom has an idea, it's going to happen. So to have him talk for an hour and attempt to normalize and minimalize his own behavior while also saying his own behavior maybe didn't happen in the way that everyone else is saying and he's the victim here of his own cheating that is something that I think would be very have been very difficult for him to do otherwise which was honestly genuinely enlightening I really agree I thought it was Really interesting. But there was a moment when I was like, oh, my God, someone tell Howie. Because Tom was talking about how he and Raquel kissed. And then it was like, and dot, dot, dot. And then he's skipping along and like talking about other stuff. And I thought I saw confusion on your dad's face of like, wait, but you guys just kissed. What's the big deal? And it's like, no, babe, like they were they were sleeping together. Well, if you go back and listen to that part. He says, well, under his breath, he goes, well, other stuff happened. Like, you can hear him say yes. it. My dad didn't. If you watch the Nick Vile podcast, my dad didn't catch a lot of what he was saying, too. Right. He interpreted it. I mean, I got to stand up for my dad a little bit because, number one, he's my dad and I love him. Number two, and he's getting a lot of hate <laughs> right now. And number two, he's a boomer. And number three is... Because I do know he is genuinely a good person who cares about other people, whether or not it was shown in that interview, because people understand the story of what is going on in Vanderpump and in the the Scandaval. Like he is genuinely a good person and he has been faithful and married to my mom for a long time. He has two daughters and would never accept someone tr- treating them the way that Tom treated Ariana ever. So I do know that about him genuinely, whether it came off like that in that podcast um, is one thing, but I do know personally that he is a good person, my dad. So I just want to throw that out there. (laughs) And I 
I saw that. I mean, there were at points during the the Nick conversation where I was like, he's just so fucking charming. He really <laughs> is. Like, I want to see. And that Howie and Lala episode when when cast members are allowed to go back on pods needs to happen because I think it would be genuinely so fun to see them experience each other I really she do think said she said she wants to school my dad and I was like bring it on yes let her come on and school him I think he needs it let her fix our lighting because apparently our lighting I sucks even, I didn't even notice honestly I didn't notice I didn't notice and now yeah. my dad is like obsessed with her because yeah, he's he is. watching all her stuff and he's like she is so funny and witty I'm like she is you would have the best banter So I can't wait for her to come on. Conversations around wellness and weight loss can be complicated. There's the Instagram filter we all see on IG and social media and then IRL. And between $20 smoothies and daily ice baths, everyone is doing the most to hack the health system. But there's a better way. Roe. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. Over 200,000 people have already chosen Roe to help them lose weight. And you can sign up from the comfort of your own home. No scheduling a doctor's appointment, commute to the doctor's office, and no waiting rooms. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with healthy lifestyle changes, so you can lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Of course, medication must be paired with diet and exercise modifications in order to achieve any stated results. Medication cost is not included in the program. Patients must pay for medication separately. With Roe, average weight loss is 15 to 20% in one year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria apply. Go to roco slash Girls. You can sign up today and you'll pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's ro.co slash Girls. Sign up today. In the words of Meredith Marks, when it comes to that week, week and a half before my period, I wish I was disengaging. My PMS is off the charts. Truly Uber Eats needs to check in and say, it's about that time, isn't it? I know it is. The cravings are crazy. I want to crawl out of my skin. Now it's easier to manage PMS with Estro Control. Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony and Estro Control, is dedicated to making women's lives easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. For AGs who are friends of perimenopause, menopause, or postmenopause, Happy Mammoth has Hormone Harmony. It's not just a supplement for women going through those stages. It's also become a phenomenon. Women can't stop talking about it on social media. A bottle of Hormone Harmony is sold every 24 seconds. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code ANDYSGIRLS at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code ANDYSGIRLS for 15% off today. I'm engaging. And I think the problem with like the dynamic that existed in the conversation with Tom was the fact that if I was thinking as an outsider of this or I was thinking 
as like a member of potentially Howie's team that was possibly also a member of Tom's in whatever way professional on the books or off. Like, I don't think it did your dad any favors because I think this setup, if someone was thinking in terms of like, how is this going to be received for him to decide to or have no as little information as humanly possible? Like, it's important to know that he was literally having sex with Raquel. And Tom isn't going to say it because maybe he thinks he can get a- around it. Like, he doesn't want to say it because to say it out loud, there's no way to not say, like, that was bad. So for him to cloak it around other language and other behavior, like kissing and other stuff, like, it enables him to try to sneak through, which if... I in that moment, I was like, because of Howie's reactions, because of not having the information, I thought that was tough because the consequence of it, the effect of it, the impact of it is to potentially minimize or normalize what Tom is attempting to do, which was to me very harmful, especially in talking about Ariana's mental health, which is something that you talked a lot about on the Nick podcast and your dad was like genuinely shocked because I think a lot of it was happening so fast and with you had to have a understanding of the history here but to watch it as a Bravo viewer I think that was one of the points that was really upsetting to a lot of people was not your dad's responses in that moment but what Tom was actively trying to do right and I think that is what my dad was most upset not not people and he said this in Nick Vile too not people claiming he didn't do his homework he doesn't care if people are mad at him for not doing his homework he said but like to try to claim that he doesn't care about people's mental health when his whole platform is mental health and something that and that's something that he has struggled with his whole life that he's constantly dealing with that I have come out and said that I'm constantly dealing with too and has been diagnosed and medicated also for depression and anxiety. That's something that we hold near and dear to our heart. So yes, we probably made a mistake by allowing him, Tom, to like talk about someone else's mental health, which we do not condone. But I'm going to say in that moment, he just saw this guy that he doesn't know and taking him at his word. I know, I know the background, yeah. but see a guy who, and he's taking him at a word at his word saying he's struggling and he's not doing well. And so he automatically has empathy for someone else who is not doing well and struggling with his mental health. Right. The problem for a lot of people watching was that supporting Sandoval shouldn't come at the cost of minimizing Ariana's experience and for Howie not to have that information was a disservice to Howie because the impact of it the people who are watching this I'm sure there were ongoing followers and fans of of your podcast with your dad who are watching but a lot of people are watching specifically because of VPR who a may not have that history of knowing about Howie's platform which I actually did And I deal with depression and anxiety diagnosed, you know, my antidepressants, like literally my best friend. I like love her so much. She's in the cutest. I keep her in the cutest little um, uh, Ramona quote, Xanax thing. Oh, I fucking, I was so afraid of taking an antidepressant and like seeking mental health treatment. I didn't do it until 
I don't know, five or six years ago, and it's changed my life. It's unbelievable uh, how my life is different after like acknowledging that I needed support that I couldn't find in myself. Like I needed external support. Um, so noting that the the thing that I think created a lot of upset with people was watching Howie do his best to take this person at their word especially because they're talking about their mental health, especially because they're talking about their struggle, knowing as a Bravo viewer that Tom is talking a lot about this as a manipulative tool, that the impact of that was like, like, oh, this is tough. It's I get that. And I think that's why I understand it's more on me as a viewer and someone who watches. That's why people were mad at me. And I totally understand that because as someone who has the background and the knowledge, maybe they felt like I should have spoken up and maybe even not hold Tom accountable, but hold my dad more accountable. Do you want me to keep it absolutely 100 with you? Yeah. Absolutely 100. It's absolutely the responsibility of the person who set up the interview who either decided last minute to tell you that you can't ask any questions or knew that they wouldn't allow you to do that and wanted it to come to you as late as possible it is entirely the responsibility of that person who i can almost guarantee does not have any background in crisis comms or in doing that kind of strategy work who probably loves tom wants to support tom understands the wave of negative stuff and is like this is you know the ability for him to share his story and because so many people are like coming at him he just needs a a platform in which to talk or it may have come from Tom himself of saying yeah I want to have this conversation but I don't want any follow-up like I I'm getting that enough from the internet I'm getting that enough from articles I just want to share my piece like it could have had spiritually nefarious intent or not, but it's unfortunate that because of those decisions, that those decisions affected the conversation, which would have helped Tom in even the littlest a bit by having him in the same room as someone who isn't a member of the cast and isn't Andy Cohen, who's asking a lot of questions that people want to know. He might not have answers, but the questions aren't going away. So it's like- But I'm sure that's why he didn't go on Nick Vile. I'm sure it is. I'm sure that's why he didn't go on Heather McDonald. And I'm sure that's why he didn't go on Watch What Happens Live. Yeah. You're absolutely right. I just want to tell you a little bit about our podcast though. So you know- Yeah, tell me, please, please, Our podcast, we don't- my dad has his own team for acting and AGT and mm-hmm. all that stuff. And, but our podcast was born out of just me and my dad during the pandemic, talking on the phone, making prank phone calls, mm-hmm. hanging out for hours on end because we were bored and had nothing to do when we're both crazy germaphobes and we didn't leave our house. <laughs> and so we just started talking to each other. And my mom was like, hey, why don't you make a podcast? So literally our podcast though information comes from it, it's really just me and my dad having fun. We don't have a team telling us like, you should be doing this. This will look good. Our team is my dad, my dad and I, and my brother, Alex, who produces it. Like that's our team. So, so yes, probably you would have gotten the accountability that the Bravo fans were looking for. Had he gone on Andy Cohen show, had he gone on Heather McDonald, had he gone on bio files, but like our show is, if you go and watch any of our old podcasts, it's kind of like 
just telling friends, come on on and we'll hang out and we'll chat and whatever comes of it comes of it. And that was kind of the same approach, although we were told also not to challenge, but that was kind of the same approach we had for this as well. And that's not everyone's cup of tea. And that's why like some people won't listen to our podcast and that's fine, but it's mostly my dad and I having fun with a lot of cool people that come on some people that are not so cool. Some people that are cooler than others, but like, that's what our podcast is. And I think that is an incredible landscape and environment to have and like adding and bringing a little light is a great thing that can be the kind of outlet or escape that people need, especially those who are inside or in their own internal universes. I mean, at a, to a certain extent, like the spiral will happen regardless of whether or not COVID is as strong as it was during the initial quarantine. So like to have the ability to have fun and share that fun, I think is great. I think the Tom thing was just tough because of the circumstances, because of the fact that he hadn't spoken on anything else. And because of the fact that unfortunately a conversation couldn't have taken place because I think that as a creator you would have still had an environment in which he felt safe but there could have been that conversation which involves a back and forth like he would have still left I think I believe he would have still left potentially feeling lighter than he had when he walked in the door it just wouldn't have been only his ride. I think in his head, he was thinking like, I can be the only one on the bicycle here. I just need to say what I need to say and then maybe be done for it, be done with it. Or maybe he's thinking as a reaction to the reunion or whatever else. I don't know. Like, I, I obviously I don't disagree don't with know. you. I don't disagree with you. I think you're completely right. I'm adding a little bit of context, but I don't disagree with you at all. Yeah. And I just can't imagine. I mean, what a difficult situation to be in if I was in your shoes, because first off, it's an incredible get. I mean, I talked about this, I think, with Nick, but like, I think it was with Nick. It was on a recent episode. You know, would I have Tom on AG? And it's like he's not the first person who comes to mind Mm -hmm. in terms of having a VPR cast member deep in the scandal. But I would have no issue with him going with him coming on. I don't know how long the conversation would last. And I don't know if he would be open to like having a conversation, but it would be professional and respectful and challenging. Like that's sort of how these things work, except if that person doesn't want that to happen. And that's difficult. It's difficult to be like, quote unquote, in the room where it happens where you're told the happening maybe has to stop. You know, like, I can't imagine, even as a Bravo-holic, even if there was no microphone, you know what I'm saying? Like, even if, you know, it's someone saying, um, do you guys want to go to lunch with Tom? And you're with Tom, and there are no microphones. To not be able to ask questions, if you're told, like, when you're sitting down, the maitre d' comes over and he's like, Jacqueline, just so you know, you can't ask any questions. You're just going to sit at this table with your dad and Tom. That would be very difficult as a Bravo-holic because this thing, it's like your dad wants to know why it's as big as it is. I think there are any number of answers to that, but the reality is it's really fucking big. So... I don't I don't know how I would have handled it if I were you. I think you handled yourself really well. It's that is just really tough. That's really tough. Thank to, you. To be in an interview where you can't actually inter that's that's a challenging 
challenging moment in time? Well, it means a lot. So thank you. Coming from someone who is a Bravo fanatic, I appreciate this because right now I am being killed. And like I say, I get it. I understand and I empathize with everyone who was expecting something else and expecting more from Tom's first interview. Um, so I get it, but I appreciate you saying that. <laughs> Here's my question. You had like two pages or multiple pages of questions for him. In mm -hmm. light of the episodes that have aired since that interview, have any of your questions that you weren't able to ask changed as a result of what we've seen or maybe even as a result of the interview itself? I want to know why he decided to say some of the stuff he said, knowing that it was going to be featured on the upcoming shows and kind of, you know, not matching up with what he said in the interview. Like, is, is he not aware of what was filmed or what was coming up on the upcoming shows? Because when he talked about the eggs, like, uh, Ariana going up to him yes. and saying that she wants to fertilize eggs and he was so taken aback and oh my gosh we're broken up what are you talking about but then the next episode after that aired we see that they're having conversations about fertilizing eggs and it's an ongoing conversation and not only was it a conversation but then he went to get his what, what did he say his jizz checked I don't yeah, know that was he, tough that was yeah <laughs> whatever so this is an ongoing conversation and an ongoing plan that did not come out of nowhere at his show where he was like whoa 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 what are you talking about you know so I'm wondering why he said some of the stuff that he said knowing that it was going to be shown on the episodes that were about to come out yeah. And on the episode, that's a great question. And on the episodes that are going to follow, it's a continuing conversation around uh, Ariana doesn't see me or respect me or anything else. And having that conversation with her of like, um, why aren't we intimate? And her saying, you know, I can't sleep with a stranger. I mean, mm -hmm. I wonder, I, I don't even know that I can say this out loud because I feel like the answer might be sort of obvious, but like, I wonder at what point Tom might realize that any awkwardness or intention that existed at this point in his relationship is in many ways due to his own misbehavior, like lying to your girlfriend about why you can't see her the, in the moments after her grandmother died because you wanted to like splish splash at a fucking pool party surrounded by her friends who are watching you lie who are going to have follow-up questions like that to me it might be because Raquel was there but it like doesn't matter to me like he just didn't want to be there to support his girlfriend and his response was well I thought you might want to be alone like what like it's just there's so much that's obviously wrong with their dynamic it's just interesting that it seems an awful lot of that is beginning with Tom. I also wanted to ask about Miami girl. And if mm. this was the first time, because I, I know everyone's speculating, like that was probably true right now. Speculation. I wanted to ask him if he wanted to come forward, say if this, because I can't imagine, listen, I listen to a lot of like the true crime podcast. Mm -hmm. I think of it like a serial killer. It's very rare that it's just like, the first time is a kill. There's usually stuff that leads up to it. 
and then it leads to something else and then it leads to something bigger and then it leads to something bigger and they become a serial killer. Like I refuse to believe that his first time cheating was a seven month long affair with her best friend. There has to be other little tiny ones in between leading up to it. So I wanted to ask him if about Miami girl and any other instances where he may have been unfaithful. And uh, Kristen said on Watch What Happens last night that there's like a friend of a friend was one of the people he was allegedly hooking up with while he was with Ariana. So yeah, who even knows? It sounds like maybe more stories will come out. I mean, if I was Raquel, which I am not, uh, but if I was Raquel, I'd be like, are we monogamous in this affair? Like what? I I don't even know. Can you set rules there while Raquel is then saying to Ariana, why aren't you sleeping with Tom? Like, there's a lot to unpack. It's just so wild to watch the episodes because it's like some people are putting the puzzle piece pieces together in real time. Lala is saying something is up here in real time. Katie is saying something is up here in real time. And it's just so unfortunate to see Ariana take that on and fight for these two other people who are just treating her so poorly and allowing this to happen. They are allowing her to fight on their behalf in front of their friend against their friends, against their cast members on reality TV where they know this is going to be shown. Like it's just so deeply unfortunate because there's a level of just fury that a lot of people feel because as as what did Ariana say at one point? Like, I am I am Tom's number one fan, but he's not mine. Like, yeah, to watch that even know and knowing that she had no idea about the affair at that point, but to watch her acknowledge and recognize that and now knowing what else was happening is just really tough. That's tough to watch. Yeah. But listen, the story will continue. Um, I'm so appreciative for you coming on AG. I just think, you know, I highly encourage that people watch your pod. I'm a big YouTube person now. I don't even know how that happened. Um, <laughs> watch your pod. We have a good one coming up with Raven, Raven Simone. Oh, she seems great. She is amazing. Oh my God. And I so funny that. and so sweet and so nice. Dad, what's the other one coming up? Dad, my dad's here. What's the other one coming up? Raven, and then who's the one after? Nikki Glazer? Oh, Nikki Glazer. Howie Mandel, tell him to come on here and say hello. Is he walking by? He's in the other office. He's working right now. Oh, okay, just kidding. I was like, Howie, (laughs) you can hear me. (laughs) Nikki Glazer first, and then Raven Simone. So we have some guests coming up. And we don't grill them. We don't grill them. It's a different kind of dynamic. No grilling fun. required. No grilling re- required. And is Lala going to come? Are you guys going to go on Lala's? Is Lala going to come on yours? I I will go wherever Lala asks me. Amen. But my dad has been, I think, DMing her. And she said she's definitely going to come on. But I believe Bravo put the kibosh on right. any interviews or anything until after the reunion. My dad ruined it for everyone. I am sorry. <laughs> I think your dad should go on Watch What Happens. I think it was said it was said that he should go on Watch What Happens Live. And Andy tweeted, like, how about not? 
So oh, I think no. Andy is is pretty oh. upset with my dad. But well, I would love it. I mean, I think that's really, again, hashtag it's about Tom. I think that upset should be directed at the person who's doing the lying, doing the manipulating, and also is, you know, on top of his own Google account. I love Andy. My dad loves Andy. I would love to see him on Watch What Happens Live. So I am going to start a petition for him to be on there. But we'll see. I think it's up to Andy. I think we need a hash, another hashtag moment. I think we need a Whitney Rose style healing journey on watch what happens I think it would be a lot of fun and I also said this on social the other day but like your dad reminds me I'm also Jewish and like your dad just like the energy there and the way that he delivers jokes I was like I know this man like and you could get into an argument with him and then two seconds later you're shooting the shit like I totally get that kind of spirit that's and my life appreciate it. Yeah. that's my life growing up with him arguing every two seconds and he is my yeah. best friend so Oh, my God. Love our culture. Love it so much. Um, Can you tell the AGs where they can follow you and where they can listen to you guys? Well, you can follow me on all socials at Jacqueline Schultz. It's a really weird spelling, but you'll find me. And then you can listen to us in our podcast um, on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts to Apple Music, Spotify on Howie Mandel does stuff. Amazing. And guys, while you're doing the stuff online and whatnot, follow me on social at Dame Galley on Instagram, Dylan Hafer of Bravo by Betches. And I are doing a live show here in New York City the day after the Vanderpump Rules finale. There are in-person and live stream tickets available. We will be performing sassing our scandal spritz at the green room 42 here in midtown new york you can get live stream on-demand tickets and in-person tickets 20 bucks at the green room 42.venuetix.com that link is also in the show notes for this episode i mean how many experiences and moments are there to be in the room with fellow bravoholics talking it all out the day after the VPR finale. Uh, Would love to see you guys there. So tickets on sale now and the Patreon for AG keeps on pumping out bonus episodes. There are three hour plus episodes up this week. Patreon.com slash Andy's Girls. Jacqueline, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate you. I, um, you know, we see each other Nini style. I just, I love to chat with a Bravoholic who really gets it. Well, thank you. And I will talk Bravo to anyone at any time. So you guys could just jump into my DMs as long as you're not calling me trash. <laughs> And not telling me that my husband should cheat on me and leave me for my best friend and leave my my kids. So other than that, if you want to talk Bravo and Housewives and Vanderpump, I am down. You know what? The thing with Bravoholics is they really, they get to the punch. You know what I'm saying? They like, they're like, hey, how are you? How am I? How's the weather? They're not going to do that. They're going to be like, here are the horrible things. That I wish for your. I am on your side, guys. We are on the same team. We are on the same team, Queen Ariana, and that's what's up. Um, Thank you so much, Jacqueline, for coming on. Thanks to the AGs for listening, and we will chat with you soon. Bye bye. 